What is up, Team NXT? I am CD Danny Mac, the voice that is your choice, bringing you another episode of the Undisputed Future Podcast. This is episode 35, and we are officially on the road to NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. Now, I figured the past two weeks have been NXT TakeOver War Games Aftermath. We had the post two matches for the UK Championship between Johnny Gargano and Pete Dunne, as well as Ruby Riot taking on Sonya Deville. And then we had a week in San Antonio with not so much story focus on the main card like the NXT Championship and all that, but a few rivalries were discussed and some things were addressed head on, but now we're building towards TakeOver. This is the build towards Philadelphia. We were brought a major announcement at the beginning of this NXT episode. There will be four singles matches to determine a fatal four-way to determine a number one contender for Andrade Cien Almas's NXT Championship. Now, those who are unaware, Drew McIntyre did suffer a bicep-related injury at the end of TakeOver War Games and unable to compete in NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. So, William Regal not wanting to discredit Drew McIntyre's rematch clause, but there will be a temporary opponent in between Drew McIntyre getting his rematch for that title. So will Andrade Cien Almas be the same champion to face McIntyre in his rematch? That will be decided. But two singles matches of those four did take place tonight. We had the Beast of Belfast take on British Strong Styles Trent Seven, as well as Cassius Ono taking on, at the time, a mystery opponent, but I'm too damn excited. I can't save her for the end. We saw Cassius Ono take on Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano. Gargano looking to get back in the win column and get back into his competitive spirit and his competitive gear. And let me tell you, I addressed the promo from Gargano saying how he didn't feel anything, how nothing was the only thing that he felt. Well, I tell you, after this match with Cassius Ono, he felt a lot of pain, but I'll discuss that one. That's a mystery main event. Well, the mystery was brought to the fold very upfront because I'm too excited. Cassius Ono versus Johnny Gargano just tore down the house. I jumped right behind the microphone as soon as that match ended. But let's wait for the main event to start things off. We started with a celebration for CN. Andrade, CN Almas, accompanied by Zelina Vega, that new NXT championship, and certainly not a lack of confidence. Andrade Cien Almas bringing back his tranquilo sort of attitude, but not discrediting any sort of competitive spirit he brings to the ring. But that tranquilo, that El Idolo, that I am the best thing since sliced bread mentality is definitely staying with Andrade outside of the match and outside of the in-ring competition. The man can still party. The man is still high energy. The guy can still go when it comes to talking about himself, and he is lacking no shortage of confidence and holding that NXT championship. Zelina Vega, and I quote, said, Respect the man, embrace the champion, the legend Andrade Cien Almas. Vega already inferring that Almas is going to be a legend here in NXT. Granted, he is one of the less than 15 superstars to hold that NXT championship 
let's face it, just because you're part of some lineage doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a title reign of any significance. You were just the right man at the right time and able to conquer Drew McIntyre and able to be the better man for one night. So Vega really pushing this legendary status already, that I certainly disagree with. But Andrade Cien Almas would eventually get his hands on a microphone as well, and he would go on to tell us exactly what I expected. I told you so, I told you so, and I told you so. It was a lot of Spanish and Spanglish. I'm a big Rey Mysterio fan and a big Eddie Guerrero fan, but I could only imagine how much bigger of a fan I would be if I fully understood Spanish. So the gist of that promo from what I got was, I told you so, I'm the idol on NXT. If you want a number one contendership spot, you better fight for it and step up. If I'm misinterpreting anything or if any of my listeners have a better hold on the Spanish translation of that promo, reach out to me on any of the social media. But the era of El Idolo has started on NXT television. He had a lot to say for a first-time champ in NXT. Definitely off to a good start as far as being that big-time Latino star while holding that gold. I'll back it as long as I possibly can. Andrade has the look. He has the demeanor. I think he's a way better packaged Alberto Del Rio. I don't want to make those two comparisons because they are different in ring style, but just given the spot they were thrown into as a big deal Latino superstar, I think Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega can hold that title and establish a role better than Alberto Del Rio was doing although I was always a bigger fan of Ricardo Rodriguez in that duo myself. But this does have potential for an interesting title reign. I'm not going to say it's a transitional reign because Andrade Cien Almas was thought of as a transitional opponent. And look how that turned out from transitional opponent to new champion. Those two lines, you can cross them very easily according to most recent NXT booking. Andrade Cien Almas with a championship celebration and Zelina Vega shorting no lack of confidence going into this next stages in his title reign. And that next stop is this fatal four-way. And then we figure out who his solidified first number one contender is going to be. And a man who has all the potential to be that next competitor for the NXT Championship is the Leviathan, Lars Sullivan. Lars Sullivan being stopped, I assume, mid-workout or post-workout, somewhere outside of the performance center by quite a bit of staff. And I actually really like this new, uh, well, not so much new interview style, but the NXT sort of exclusive style that seems to be going on. You got people from all sorts of different media aspects. You have the one official NXT microphone. You have a couple guys with iPhones, which I assume are for magazine or WWE.com or something along those lines. It's not just standard interviewer like a Christy St. Cloud or a Caleb Braxton standing next to a superstar. It feels like a a post-game interview, a press conference sort of feel like you would get in other professional sports. So I'm a big fan of this format 
first and foremost, and we'll get another one of these with the NXT Women's Champion, but a guy who has his sights set on being number one contender, Lars Sullivan, is taking on Roderick Strong, a man who has had the opportunity to go for the NXT gold before, and Lars did not sell Roddy short. He's a hell of a competitor, Lars said, and Lars even went to say he's as much as a handsome guy, and somebody you would see on the cover of magazines, and the publicity spotlight, and all that. And Lars, once again, very well spoken, but with a vicious message behind his words. Lars is not lacking any intensity heading into this tournament-style decision. All Lars cares about are his hands on that title. All Lars Sullivan cares about is getting his monstrous hands around Roderick Strong, around any opponent that stands in his way, and eventually around the NXT World Championship. And based on Roderick's track record, do not sell him short as an opponent. Roddy can take it to the bigger guys. Roddy has locked up with the likes of Killian Dane in that War Games match. He has been in battles with bigger guys in his ROH career as well as his NXT career. So Roderick Strong able to hold his own with a bigger opponent. Let's see what he can do when he takes on Lars Sullivan. I believe that match is scheduled for next week. But the first qualifier of this week was Killian Dane taking on British Strong Styles' own Trent Seven. I actually thought it was extremely funny how they went from a Lars Sullivan interview to a match with one of his future opponents, please, for my sake, in Killian Dane. If you listened to me last week, you know how much I've been begging for that Killian Dane versus Lars Sullivan match. I would love to see it. If these two were able to collide in a fatal four-way then I'll take that definitely for now. But let's see how this qualifying match did turn out. Trent Seven definitely takes it to Killian Dane right off the bat, but it was definitely stopped way shorter than the strong style anticipated, and it was all Killian Dane very quickly. Not much of a size advantage because Trent Seven is a bigger competitor in his own right, but Dane definitely had the power advantage here, and it was definitely on display. He was later able to just absorb and eat a 7-star Lariat for a 2-count. And listen, Trent Seven staged a comeback. He was able to overcome the divide, that massive diving cross body that Dane has defeated countless opponents with. But Trent Seven just unable to vanquish the Beast of Belfast. Dane wins by a Belfast Blitz Samoan Drop. Or was it a f- last call? It was some sort of body drop to Senton combination and then a Vader bomb to finish it off. And I love the idea of Killian Dane finishing matches with the Vader bomb. It's about time that move got its due because when a big enough superstar delivers it, it becomes one of the most believable finishers, in my opinion. So Dane was able to secure the victory with a big and believable Vader bomb. And Killian Dane is the first to qualify for that fatal four-way match. And he's got to be an early favorite. There is not much stopping sanity so far. They got both those NXT Tag Team Championships around their shoulders and around their waist for now. But not talking about what gold sanity has. I think this win for Killian Dane really says a lot about the structure of Sanity as a faction. If you've listened to me before, you know how I picture Sanity as. I see Killian Dane, and 
Alexander Wolf, and Eric Young, and Nikki Cross as a even playing field as far as an entity. Yes, Eric Young is the mastermind. Yes, he is a strategist. But Killian Dane getting the opportunity to go for that NXT championship? You figure the guy who they want as the strongest singles competitor to go out there for that NXT championship or somebody who has a leadership role like Eric Young. If you look at Sanity at the bare bones like a regular faction, you would assume, okay, Alexander Wolfe and Killian Dane are going to defend the tag team titles while the mind and the mastermind and the leader of Sanity and Eric Young goes for the singles wins and the NXT championship. Not the case here. Killian Dane is the one getting the singles title opportunity I mean, I can't think of any other reason. It can't be because they have to defend the titles with Eric Young and Alexander Wolfe. The Freebird rule has been back in effect in WWE for quite some time, shown through the New Day's reign and shown through the Wyatt family's reign way back when Randy Orton was there and he defended the titles with Luke Harper and Luke Harper and Bray Wyatt and you were able to change up the combinations there. Back to the New Day, Big E and Kofi Kingston, Biggie and Xavier Woods have been teaming a lot lately together. So there's a lot of different combinations that you could be using for Sanity if it was a leadership role wanting to go for that singles competitor title, wanting to go for that NXT championship. You say, screw it. You send Eric Young up and that's that. The leader's going for the singles gold. Not a way I read Sanity. It's an even entity. I think this win is big for Killian Dane and really big in demonstrating that point. That Sanity just wants to control and take and thrive in the chaos. They don't care who is stepping up to the plate and who is winning championships as long as they maintain total control in the NXT universe. But enough ranting about Sanity. I want to draw attention to another faction in NXT The Undisputed Era had some words for the NXT Universe, and they have big plans on the horizon after their huge win in the War Games matchup. Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, not just saying they survived, but they won War Games decisively. They shocked the system, they took over the system, and now they plan to rule the system. We heard from Adam Cole first. Adam Cole will be taking on the Dutch Destroyer, the undefeated Aleister Black, in another qualifying matchup next week on NXT television. And Adam Cole had some very interesting words for Black. He addressed how Black has ran through every single one of his opponents so far, but only because their names weren't Adam Cole. I thought this was a very interesting take and kind of a cheap shot at his Undisputed Era brethren. Because if you recall correctly, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly each took on Aleister Black in singles action. So Adam Cole with a little shot at his tag team partners, I feel, and I guess it was for the sake of driving his own ego and saying how he's the most dominant member of Undisputed Era. That's why he hasn't been defeated by him yet. Adam Cole obviously trying to make some sort of confidence statement saying that he will not be defeated by Aleister Black, and Adam Cole sees the system as his, and he wants to move on to that fatal four-way qualifying number one contender matchup for Philadelphia. But Adam Cole, I still don't like the way you took down your boys there. Even if it wasn't fully addressed, I caught it. 
But anyway, Adam Cole seems to be assuring the first loss at his hands for Aleister Black. And Cole is determined to walk out confidently next week and a qualifier for that Fatal 4-Way number one contender matchup. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly also had some words of their own addressing the tag team champions' sanity because in two weeks, they will have a NXT tag team title matchup. And quite frankly, I took this as a little bit out of nowhere, but Adam Cole did pin Eric Young for that decisive victory in the War Games matchup. So it's only natural, I guess, that Wolf and Dane Wolf and Young, see, I'm getting the combinations confused here myself, that Eric Young and Alexander Wolf would have to defend their NXT tag team titles against two representing members of the Undisputed Era, and the Red Dragon, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish seem to be the popular tag team combination out of Undisputed Era, and they will get their shot in two weeks at Sanity's titles, and Adam Cole takes on Aleister Black next week in a Fatal 4-Way qualifier. Obviously, a lot going on in the men's championships in NXT, that tag team title match in two weeks, the qualifying matches, and that Fatal 4-Way building up for Philadelphia, who is Andrade Cien Almas taking on, Let's get back to that action. Let's talk about NXT women's action. Can we still consider it NXT women's action? I mean, Sonya Deville, a Raw superstar, took on Ruby Riot, a SmackDown superstar, inside of an NXT arena. I guess, technically, this is while they're still NXT working women roster, so why not? No holds barred. Sonya Deville took on Ruby Riot in a no holds barred match. Turns out No Holds Barred was just a way to completely disregard any sort of rope break or any attempt to free yourself via the ropes and outside of the ring source and no use of weapons or any other form of a no disqualification match. But that's okay because these two ladies still delivered Sonya Deville and Ruby Riot still hitting hard. Sonya Deville, absolute domination in the beginning of this match, really destroying that ankle. There was a point in the match where the riot kick, that side-to-the-head Pele by Ruby, would be countered into an ankle lock, an extended Achilles hold. It was really, really nasty, and it went on for quite some time. Ruby Riot absolutely getting her mobility destroyed from this hold. Really extended period of time. Getting to the ropes, as I mentioned, would do Ruby Riot no good, but using the ropes to break the hold would do her some good. A move that she usually does in the turnbuckle, that feet headlock driving Sonya Deville headfirst into the middle rope to break that submission. It was very well done. Again, a move that is usually done corner, able to be done on the ropes to break that hold, to disregard and work around the no-holds-barred rules. So the resiliency of Ruby Riot always on display. She was refusing to tap, quite frankly, to nobody's surprise. I did not see Ruby Riot tapping out, even as much as this ankle injury story has been building. Ruby Riot is not the type of competitor to tap out. Ruby Riot would come back, including a outside dive, a major dive on the outside. Sonya Deville would be able to get into the ring. First, this gave her the unforeseen advantage. 
Ruby Riot making her way back into the ring, able to almost perform a springboard maneuver into the ring, would get caught with a vicious roundhouse kick. Yes, that was a roundhouse kick, not a spinning kick. A spinning kick is not a roundhouse kick just because it goes around. I've addressed this before. I'm going to save everybody else the confusion. But a roundhouse kick to Ruby Riot's side of her face would lead to decimation for Ruby Riot at the hands of DeVille. Sonya DeVille able to snatch on a triangle choke. A extended triangle choke. There was no shortage of submission by Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville holding on that triangle choke for not a submission because once again, Ruby Riot, not the type of competitor to tap out, and she didn't. Sonya Deville would win this matchup by KO knockout decision, and that ties this women's series up at one match apiece. So far, I don't know if they're going to get another chance to compete in the NXT arena before both of them get a permanent send-off to Raw and SmackDown, respectively, or if each of these ladies are going in, going up with a win, whether it be Ruby Riot able to get a major win in the arena that TakeOver was taking place, and Sonya Deville was able to win in the first ever no-holds-barred women's match in NXT. I don't know if it's just for the sake of giving them two wins and accolades before their main roster permanent call-ups, or if this is going to be a two out of three series that will be settled in later weeks. The women's division action in NXT is wide open and open for interpretation. We got influx of talents from the Mae Young Classic coming in. We had some talented ladies getting called up to Raw and SmackDown. Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose making up Absolution with Paige and the Riot Squad. Ruby Riot managing to lead Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan on SmackDown Live. I think it's been a very interesting development for both groups. I'm right now pulling for Riot Squad just a little bit more than I am Absolution, but I give all five of the most recent called-up ladies all the benefit in the world. I know they're going to fill their roles absolutely great. It's really unique to see Mandy Rose being a beautiful powerhouse for a faction. Actually, the powerhouse in Absolution I think is a little bit up for debate because Sonya Deville obviously very talented and hard-hitting striker, so maybe it's some striking power coming from DeVille and some raw lifting power from Mandy Rose. Either way, it's beauty and destruction when it comes to Absolution. Paige, DeVille, and Mandy Rose making an impact on Raw, and Ruby Riot laying down everybody on SmackDown with Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan, and we found out that Natty versus Charlotte at Clash of Champions will be a Lumberjill match, so Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan able to make their main roster pay-per-view debuts. That's huge, and I'm definitely looking forward to that. But let's talk about the NXT Women's Champion, enough about the SmackDown Women's Champion, as much as I can't get enough of the Flair versus Neidhart rivalry that happens. I'm looking forward to the Ember Moon women's title reign on NXT a little bit more. Ember Moon meeting with once again that little press conference assembly format outside of the performance center and Ember Moon once again laying out some 
I'd guess generic, humanized comments about how she wants to be the greatest NXT Women's Champion of all time. And with Asuka's 524 undefeated day reign, those are some big-ass shoes to fill. But I have all the faith in Ember Moon as a competitor. Not just sure if she has 524 days in front of her, especially with the iconic duo standing in front of her. The iconic times made their debut, I guess, in the journalism world outside in this interview, and a very interesting fact laid out saying that Nikki Cross was the one pinned at NXT TakeOver Houston, NXT TakeOver War Games, not Peyton Royce. Peyton Royce did not get pinned. So Ember Moon said, if either one of you ladies want to take me on, you can decide that for themselves. And it looks like Ember Moon will be facing the iconic Peyton Royce in a matchup next week. And next week, the USA Network becomes iconic. I'll get to a little bit more on my thoughts about the NXT move for next week on the USA Network. I think it's a really interesting move for NXT. I think it'll open up the audience. I'll get to a couple more points after I discuss the main event. But another big match happening in two weeks. It's a rematch of a rematch of a match that you just can't wait to watch again. Pete Dunne, the Bruiserweight, the UK champion, takes on Tyler Bate, the first ever UK champion. In two weeks, UK championship on the line following that decisive pin cover last week, Tyler Bate pinning Pete Dunne for the victory in that tag team matchup, and I I can't wait for this one. Once again, Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, the closing match of the UK Tournament Finals, that unbelievable match of the year candidate at NXT TakeOver Chicago, and now we get it on NXT TV, that's going to be an absolutely great match. Cannot wait. Lots of championship gold on the line in two weeks. NXT Tag Team titles, as well as the United Kingdom Championship, but championship opportunities up for grabs, well, a shot at a championship opportunity shot, it's another fatal four-way qualifier, it's main event, it's Cassius Ono, it's Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling, another triumphant return to the NXT ring to take on Cassius Ono. I did not think my judgment on NXT could be split any more down the middle, and the Full Sail faithful were definitely with me on that one. The crowd split in half between Cassius Ono and Johnny Gargano. It might have been some sort of insignificant number, like 49.1% for Cassius Ono and 50.9% for Johnny Gargano, either way, it was very close, and two of the most beloved faces in all of the NXT roster clashed for a fatal four-way opportunity. The big question I had in this one was, can Johnny Gargano get back on track? Can Johnny Wrestling get his head right and become championship competitor material once again? And damn, did the rebel heart of Johnny Gargano shine brightly tonight. Because the size apparent in Cassius Ono was definitely on the forefront here. He caught Johnny in a slingshot spear and dominated the power game consistently across the board in this match. Johnny Gargano just kept fighting. He keeps on fighting. No matter what you throw at Johnny Gargano, you hit him with elbows, you hit him with flying forearms, you hit him with knees. Strike after strike by Ono would be kick out. 
after kickout by Johnny Gargano. Unbelievable moves to the outside. A tope tornado DDT would follow a successful slingshot spear, both unfortunately for just two counts and not a count out decision on that tope tornado DDT, which I mean, everything in this match was just a work of beauty. I know I talk how good the NXT television main events are, and oh, this is going to be the top main event for 2017, and then I come back a couple weeks later. No, I changed my mind. I think I might be changing my mind again. Cassius Ono versus Johnny Gargano tore the house down, and a lot of it had to do with the hard strikes by Cassius Ono and the absolute heart and resilience by Johnny Wrestling. What an unbelievable match between these two. I think I might go back and watch it again as soon as I'm done sitting here talking about it because I'm just getting myself amped up again because an unbelievable ending to this one as well. Just when you think all the elbows and the cyclone kicks and everything was thrown at Johnny Gargano and that something's got to give and something had to score Cassius Ono a three count. No, Johnny Gargano able to lock in a head scissors and the Gargano escape and just a split second and a time period of being the better man that that less than 10 second window that Johnny Gargano had over Cassius Ono would decide this matchup. The Gargano escape would lead to a tap out and Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling is back in the win column. Johnny Wrestling is moving on to the fatal four-way, but Killian Dane is going to meet him in there. And that already doesn't spell out the best odds for Johnny Wrestling, but Johnny Gargano, all heart. He wants to feel something again. He feels the spirit of competition right now, obviously with a major win over the knockout artist. Cassius Ono and able to qualify for the fatal four-way to decide a new number one contender. Man, it was such a good first episode of NXT for December. I think I'm losing my voice just doing this podcast. That Johnny Gargano Cassius Ono main event is not a match I'm able to get over. It's a match I'm definitely going to watch more than once. What an unbelievable showing by two of the top faces in the NXT brand. It was either man's matchup I was able to pull for either guy, no matter who scored the victory, but I am all in on Johnny Gargano right now. Johnny Gargano looking to get back on track and his confidence right and his mindset on the championship. And I think Johnny Gargano is full steam ahead on this road to NXT TakeOver Philadelphia, which yours truly will be attending. That's right. I did get a ticket for NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. It's going to be one hell of a road trip. Two of my Undisputed Future podcast co-hosts, compatriots of the past, uh, the man who covered the NXT TakeOver War Games special from Threshold Studios in New York City, DRJ, my musician, is joining me, and the one-time co-host, Anonymous AP, AAP, once again, don't get it confused with APA, this guy is also joining me. So me, two of my best friends, and two of the guys who I think I've done the show pretty good with in the past, They are joining me for NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. It's going to be an unbelievable spectacle, and I can't wait to see how that match card is able to shape up. And if you want to stay tuned with me and discuss the road to NXT TakeOver Philadelphia, you got to link up with me on the social media. 
For all of your NXT and NXT TakeOver discussion, at podcast underscore UF is the Twitter, at Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word, is the Instagram, Undisputed Future Podcast, I'm on Facebook, and any platform you can listen to podcasts on. I can't really think of any that I aren't, that I'm not on. iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast FM, any of them third-party sites that you just happen to see. Give me a search. Chances are I am there, but my big four sources are definitely iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and the home for my RSS feed and where it all started on the SoundCloud. SoundCloud backslash Undisputed Future. For now, I am CD Danny Mac. It's been an unbelievable week for NXT discussion. Big things are shaping up for 2018. I'm going to start doing a interview series, and I got a couple independent talents on my radar for some interviews. And I've been in contact with some people about setting up some possible scheduling in the first half of 2018, and I'm excited for some new opportunities as well as future episode reviews. I'm not trying to just be an episode review. I'm looking at the in-depth future of professional wrestling and guys who have the mindset on the WWE and maybe even some guys who were formerly with the WWE can give me an insight look on the NXT system and the performance center. I'm saying too much. Stay tuned. I can confirm some things for you as long as you keep with me on this road. We're on the road to NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. Thank you, Team NXT, for listening. And once again, have a great week.